Welcome to this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup being brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. Obviously, weather in South America is something we have been talking about, but let's talk about what's going on with Argentina with some exports, with exports here out of the states, and add to it where we got on the domestic corn issue. It may be small, but this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines. And it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska. Now joining me this week as I click the button, we welcome onto the screen Mike Zuzalo. He's with Global Commodity Analytics and Darren Fry with Water Street Solutions. And gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this week before the Christmas holiday. And another interesting trading week uh, has taken place. And I think I want to start out with what's happening weather-wise in South America. And Darren, what are your thoughts on, on what you're seeing? Well, you know, the La Nina is really strengthening. And we saw that last year, but we didn't see the outcome of less crops and they had some timely rains that came through and they pretty much had average crops in Argentina, obviously big crops in Brazil for soybeans. The Safrina crop was the one that got hurt and that was up north uh, mostly where they just ran out of rain and grain fill was not there. But this year you're seeing a huge area around Argentina, Eastern Paraguay, Uruguay, Southern Brazil, seeing a lot of pictures on Twitter where there is damage already And so there is no rain for the next two weeks down there that's forecast, anything of meaningful quantities, that is. And if you take a look at, uh, you know, how important January is going to be as we enter it, I think the market will be on pins and needles. So if they get a timely rain, there'll be no issue. If they don't, I think you got a problem there. And a lot of people don't fear that, I, I believe, because last year we cried wolf and it all worked out well. Now, Mike, I know I've seen a few photos as well as some cornfields um, in South America. I do not remember the exact location that looked absolutely amazing. So there are sounds like hit and miss when it comes to some showers. Yeah, it is. And I think it's going to be an important week. I'm glad Darren led off with this because it seems like to me, Susan, that there's quite a bit of La Nina premium in the soybeans right now. I felt that way probably for a month or two at this point with the idea that we are going to clip this 144 million metric ton soybean crop uh, in in Brazil somehow because of La Nina. And traders, I think, are pricing that in to some degree. And it'll be interesting next week because the European model on Friday afternoon started to break down the ridge in both the driest areas of southern Brazil, specifically Rio Grande do Sul and Paraná, and then also even in the Argentine areas of Santa Fe, um, with with a big break in the ridge coming day five, day six. And if that would materialize, I think we should probably be prepared for, if I'm right about having a premium in the beans, especially maybe the January, March, May, and July futures uh, working a little bit lower, or maybe the trade deciding to come in and bear spread the soybeans if this rain comes in uh, as the European advertises. GFS model so far has not shown that yet, though. So, Darren, how much of a pressure could this put on our soybean producers here who maybe are holding on to their crop, hoping for some bigger prices and export opportunities? Well, it seems like the breaks have been always sharp and quick and then they recover. And I don't know how much premium would be in. Like Mike said, I think there is some. Obviously, when you keep talking about weather, the market builds that in. But 
you know, I wouldn't think you'd have more than an initial 30 to 50 cent break, which is substantial from these levels. But uh, I don't see us turning into a huge bear market until we find out what the crop size is. And we have a lot more to get through. A lot of the crops in Argentina are being planted later. So it's going to be out further into next year. We will see the Brazil crop starting to come to town here and come to the marketplace in very early January, even late December here. So uh, kind of two different stories down there is big geography and a lot of different situations as far as the climate is concerned. All right. Well, this report, of course, is being brought to you by the great folks, the Nebraska Soybean Board, and by their farmers with their soybean checkoff. So, Mike, a story kind of floating, and maybe you can give us some better light to it, deals with Argentina and their plans to control and put controls, that is, on both corn and wheat export volumes. Yeah, this is an inflation narrative, and this is really timely, I think, when it comes to the Federal Reserve going from inflation advocate last summer now to inflation fighter. And, and a lot of other central banks are picking up where the Federal Reserve left off this week, Susan, with, say, for instance, Russia this week coming in and raising their interest rate on Friday by one full percentage point. They're at an eight and a half percent interest rate at this point on their benchmark to match up with their eight percent inflation. But the, the thing about this, I think, is, is real critical. And this maybe goes back to what Darren was talking about when it comes to the technicals and the corn being able to break out a little bit higher. Maybe this is due to kind of being in the fatter part of the inflation narrative, meaning governments, central banks, businesses, they're right in the heart of being fearful of inflation. I think you're buying some extra here if you're an end user. You're hoarding domestic supplies. And I think that's where Argentina's news about their government keeping their volumes down in corn and wheat exports really is very timely, especially on the back end of the marketing year highs for the wheat uh, export sales and also the corn export sales this past week. Find it interesting as we get closer to 2022 and how that's going to help out or not help out this first quarter. Yeah, this is, I think, to me, a kind of um, along with the Federal Reserve changing and, and rounding the corner to an inflation fighter mindset kind of mm -hmm. ends up being 2021 mm -hmm. and how we're closing out is probably how we're going to be in 2022, where it's still a cost push inflation in terms of the commodity market, the demand like the COVID demand issue. Uh, the issue with China's demand, you know, so many demand issues seem to be more of a headwind. It's really the supply chain, weather, other supply related factors, I think, are going to drive prices higher if they're going to go higher. So I think producers, cattlemen and, uh, and, and farmers really need to keep that in mind. Having said that, uh, Darren, what are we doing when it comes to domestic corn usage? I know cattle guys have been closely watching the price, but how are we with those numbers at this point? You know, feed usage stays fairly constant, but I think we're talking uh, when we think of the domestic and how basis is being driven, it's the ethanol market. And we see margins out of some of these plants being, you know, three to four dollars a bushel they're making uh, when you consider uh, everything together. So um, I don't know how you're going to slow that down. We're going to continue to grind more than what USDA has on their balance sheet. So I'm kind of bullish on that. And then I think exports too, you know, that's not domestic, but we only have to do about 27 million a week to reach the USDA's number. And this past week we did 77 million. So that's 50 over what we need in just one week. So I think corn demand is really good. And I think that's why the weather is going to be so important in South America. As Mike said, if that rain comes in, that's going to uh, keep a lid on things. But boy, if that flips back dry, I think you're going to see more premium be added as we go into the Christmas holiday. 
But are we going to see a tug of war going on between the cattle feeders and this corn market? I think so. I think you're already seeing it. You know, I talked to a lot of livestock guys that are uh, procuring for uh, larger companies even. And, you know, it's it's been a basis play fighting the ethanol uh, industry, especially if you have two or three plants within 50 miles of you. So I do think it's a tug of war more on the basis side than anything else trying to secure the physical. Mike, what about for we don't talk sorghum very often, but I know sorghum and corn have been talked about a lot. Uh, by cattle producers as feed options into this coming year? Yeah, I think in the Southern Plains cattle belt uh, that we're talking about where a lot of sorghum's grown, Susan, we're going to continue to see sorghum, hard red wheat, corn, those basis levels, those cash prices remain very, very premium. Even hay prices, I think, are going to get a lot more premium. Um, even brome prices, you know, everything that is feed related is going to see if this drought continues in the Southern Plains and in the cattle belt, especially, I think that the feeding on the cash side is extremely important for cattlemen right now. It, you know, lightweight feeders going for $200. I've been talking to a lot of producer cattlemen about that saying, how are you going to cash flow that? How are you going to make money at that? Uh, given the back end feeder price or the fat cattle price in the back end when you don't have a certainty on your feed side of the equation. So this is a really tough spot we could be putting ourselves in if we're not real careful. For, for our listeners and viewers who don't know, Mike, you are in the state of Kansas, and we can't not talk about the storms that happened um, earlier this week. And it, this is a, a crop that some consider a weed, and it has nine lives. And as one listener said, they think it used all eight of them. Yeah, just to briefly finish up, because I'd like Darren's take on this. I think this is a market where you really want to be careful about assuming too much, because a client in western Kansas sent me pictures and his wheat fields were 40 to 50 feet in the fields with dirt covering them. So that, that wheat's not going to make it unless they get rains. And I think we probably did lose some wheat just to do the 60 to 70 mile sustained winds that we saw. All right, Darren, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it uh, really is a problem. Uh, we know that wheat has had a story. There's been great importer demand from around the world and Canada had its issues. And obviously there's been some issues in Europe and other places, but you know, when you see how much China auctioned off last year, they are going to replace some of that. And I think we really need to have a good crop. And this uh, storm is untimely and severe. And uh, I do agree with that uh, person who made the comment about nine lives. I mean, wheat does come back again and again. But, you know, it's going to be more susceptible now to winter kill and those things when you're dry and then you get really cold snaps. I mean, we could lose some some stands out there. So it does bear watching. And uh, boy, anything that could ignite a rally could take wheat easily over 10 bucks here. All right. Well, thank you to both of you for joining us this week. As a reminder, folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss and they're not suitable for all investors. That's been this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield.